Welcome to Cinescapism, the podcast by two friends who love to talk about the movies. I'm Kendra Bean. And I'm Anthony Uzharovsky. And you're fabulous. <laughs> thank you. So are you. Oh, thank you. Anthony, I'm so excited that we're here finally doing this. Um, third time's a charm. I know. Oh my God, I know. Hopefully this will be the best time yet. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a steep learning curve for us doing this podcast. Like, what are computers? I don't know. But <laughs> no. yeah. Okay, so we're, we're, we're like doing classic it. classic film people. We're not tech people. I'm not a tech person. My no. husband is, but even we sometimes get it wrong. So that's fine. We're just, you know, the first two times are just practice runs anyways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the films that we love. Anthony, why don't you explain a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do, why you love movies, and why we're doing this. Okay, well, I'm, my name is Anthony. I'm fabulous. I live in True. London. <laughs> Just kidding about the fabulous bit. But yes, I live in London, um, which is also where Kendra and I met. A long, long time ago, many, many nights ago, yeah, <laughs> many moons ago. <laughs> um, we're both film studies graduates. I did uh, my first degree in languages and film studies at University College London, and also a master's in film studies um, at the same university. And since graduating a few years ago, I've been um, trying to become a full-time writer. So I do a lot of freelance stuff. I do articles for different magazines, for different websites um, here in the UK and also in the US. And Kendra and I co-wrote a book which came out last year, um, Ava Garner Life in Movies, which some of you may have or you might have heard of it. And Kendra also did another book, which she can tell you all about herself. And yeah, we love films. We are passionate about films, classic films, but also new films. We talk about them a lot when we're together, and we have and a lot Anthony, of... Anthony. Yes. You, you work at one of the coolest places in London. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, thank you very well. I don't know about that, but I work at the it's British true. Library, yes, where I'm a part-time archivist while I'm trying to become a full-time writer, but that's a great place to be, and, you know, I, I do a lot of work there, and um, I have all the materials I want at my fingertips, so that's really helpful. Um, very nice. Yes. Good. So, Kendra, you tell us a little bit about yourself because you're a very fabulous person yourself. Oh, well, thanks very much. Sometimes I feel like it, sometimes I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so my name's Kendra. Um, people in the classic film community might know me from my website, vivianlarry.com. So I'm obsessed with Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, and that's been online for 11 years now, and I can hardly believe it. I know. Um, so long. Um, I live in the north of England, but I used to live in London, where Anthony said uh, we met. And um, I'm actually from California, so I moved over here first for a film studies degree in 2010, and then um, got another degree in um, museum studies, and now I'm married to a British person, so it all kind of works out. It's great. <laughs> Um, I love movies. I've always loved movies. And I also, um, I write about films. So as Anthony mentioned, we did a book together called Ava, A Life in Movies, which you should definitely buy if you don't have it already. And I also wrote a book called Vivian Lee, An Intimate Portrait, which came out in 2013. So I've written for a few other places like the BFI and um, we've both done a couple of documentary things for TCM. So that's been really fun. But in general, um, I normally work at the National Science and Media Museum in Bradford in the north of England. Um, and I'm a collections assist assistant there. So I work with the photography, film and TV collections and facilitate access. And that's really fun. Yeah. Yay. So actually, we wanted to um, do this first episode of our podcast about a film that we both love and which has meant so much to the both of us throughout our lives, and that's Gone with the Wind from 1939. Uh, it's yeah, a film that absolutely. a lot of people love. Lots of people love it. It's quite controversial, and um, we have a lot to say about it, so want to come along for the ride so Anthony <laughs> maybe you can tell us a bit about how it's affected your life and why you like it so much 
Oh my gosh, well, Gone with the Wind really is, I think, the one of the first films I remember watching because it had such a huge impact on me. And I, I was about five years old, and it was here in London, actually, where my family um, first moved here. It was in the early 90s, and we lived in Finsbury Park. And I remember one day Gone with the Wind came on TV, and my mom was really excited. And I remember her excitement, and she was telling me, you know, this is such a great film and the book is my favorite book and so obviously I, I was fascinated to, to see it and I was watching it and I remember very vividly the scene in which Scarlett sort of tears down you know the portiers from mm -hmm. the window to make a dress and I just thought oh, this is fabulous I want to do that I want to make a dress out of the curtains but <laughs> I couldn't really <laughs> admit did you? to it no, did you ever I mean, do that <laughs> No, I didn't. I mean, I was supposed to be, you know, a little boy playing with cars and like wanting to be a fire fighter or something. Sure. But I, I really secretly wanted to be Scarlet. So. <laughs> didn't we all? But I mean, you grew up in Poland, so it was quite a different kind of culture there in terms of uh, classic films from America being shown in Europe and they mean different things to different, mm. different people. Yeah, like I mean, so. Gone with the Wind was huge in Poland. I know that my mom watched it uh, you know, when she was pregnant with my brother, she went to the cinema to see it for the first time. So it's always been part of, sort of our family history. And when my dad went to London in the 70s to work and my mom stayed behind in Poland, he, um, because obviously Poland was still, you know, behind the Iron Curtain. So mm -hmm. it was really hard to get anything from the West, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah. he brought back... Um, a copy of Gone with the Wind, you know, in English, um, mm -hmm. which we still have at home with his sort of inscription, you know, saying it to my beloved darling or whatever. <laughs> so it, it was a huge deal. And Gone with the Wind always was a big part of, of just our family life. I remember every Christmas, um, it would be such an event to watch the film on Christmas Day. And, you know, to this day, here in the UK mm -hmm. as well, you can, most Christmas, you know, this is, it's part of the routine. You sort of, you put the turkey in and then <laughs> you watch Gone with the Wind and I don't know which yeah. one takes longer. Probably Gone with the Wind. It's probably a bit both, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's really sweet. Of, I mean, in terms of its themes, as a child, I didn't really think very much about how sort of multi-layered it is and how much there is to it. I, I really was just fascinated by the story of Scarlet and by the costumes and, you know, it was such a sweeping epic but I didn't really think about the racial politics or the historical context or any of that so really now sure. I can appreciate it and I can sort of recognize its significance a lot more and mm -hmm. also the problematic areas of it as well so sure, obviously yeah. I watch it in a very different way now but it doesn't stop me from still loving it and still appreciating it even though I, I recognize that there are certain problems with it and you know so yeah, how about you, Kendra? You tell us, because obviously Gone with the Wind has had a huge impact on your life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say in, in a non-cliche way, because it's not cliche, it's true. Uh, Gone with the Wind really did change my life. So when I was in high school, um, you know, growing up, I didn't really watch old movies. I was really into 80s films like The Goonies and things like that. Um but I had seen quite a few classic films when I was small, like The Wizard of Oz and, you know, sort of kids films, old Disney films and everything. Um, but I was of the opinion where if it was an old film or made before like 1985, it was just like not worth my time. <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was cool by not liking old movies. OK, so I would always just kind of be like, oh, gross. I just want to watch Titanic for the 8000th time, <laughs> which is a story I mean, for another time. Titanic, to be fair. We did. This is that's it our generation's gone with the wind really but yeah um, i remember actually um because i was so obsessed with titanic i remember when that came out and there would be all of these articles in magazines like entertainment weekly and i would read them and it would say it would compare titanic to gone with the wind and i would think gone with the wind what <laughs> was this crap they're talking about this nothing is as good as leo and kate and titanic and oh, just nothing okay. um but then in high school uh, my senior year i was friends with a girl named tara and she was named after gone with the wind so she had a poster of it on her bedroom wall and i remember going over to her house one day and saying you know tara what is this like why why do you do you really like gone with the wind and she said 
uh, yeah, it's the best. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I really thought a lot about Tara's opinion. So I went and bought the book that summer, the summer before I started college. Um, I loved it. I was just so blown away by the story and uh, the way yeah. that Margaret Mitchell wrote about these characters and this uh, time during the Civil War. And it was just so vivid. And then I saw the film for the first time and I was just struck by how um, closely Clark Gable and Vivian Lee represented the Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara of my imagination. And so it was just, it kind of melded together. And because I've always been obsessed with cinema, although not necessarily old cinema, I felt like I had to learn as much as I could about the film and about the production, about the actors and about things that went on behind the scenes. And it really sort of just like broadened my horizons and opened my world up to this this universe of classic cinema. And now I'm like yeah, entrenched in that world. And it's, it's just amazing to me how it's just that one film was like the gateway drug for me to <laughs> all of so these, you know, perfect, foreign. Isn't it? Because it yeah. combines all those elements together. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So it, it really just captured me. And I think for people who haven't seen it, which is to explain the plot a little bit, um, mm. it takes place during the, the American Civil War um, in the South. And it focuses on a girl named Scarlett O'Hara, who is the daughter of a plantation owner. And uh, when the war comes and then reconstruction, it's sort of about her dealing with how her world has fallen apart and trying to build back up. And she's a very unconventional woman um she like runs a business she does not fall into these sort of trappings of what it means what womanhood meant in that time in the victorian era and um it's just got like these great characters um you either love them or you hate them i love them kind of hate them sometimes but <laughs> it's all part of it and so it's it's just a great story i think oh yeah it is i mean they can be quite frustrating some of their behaviors like oh why are you doing this but i think I that's know. part of the movies and the books appeal yes to me they were so involved in it definitely and to me they're very human characters they're mm. they're written in a way that's very fleshed out so they don't feel three-dimensional at all and I really appreciated that. And I remember the first time I read the book, the way that Margaret Mitchell writes is like she evokes this time and place in such a way that I felt like I could just step through the pages right into the scenario because it was so detailed and just so um, illustrative. And it was just beautiful to me the way she painted these Absolutely. scenes. It's so well written. It's so incredible to think it's her only novel because she's such yeah. a skilled writer. Yeah, and she won the Pulitzer Prize in 1936. So, indeed, you know, yeah, and maybe it's, it's, it's not just a romance. <laughs> no, it's that's absolutely no. It's, it's such a sort of historical document, as much about as you said previously when we recorded, but um, that it's so, as much about the 1930s and the attitudes of the time as it is about the Civil War itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, there's a lot of Margaret Mitchell in Scarlet, so in a way, it's kind of autobiographical, but. Uh, it's just, I think it's a great book. It's one of those ones where I read it, I just wanted to read it over again. Uh, and it's it's such an enduring film. Um, the book has sold millions of copies around the world. The film, uh, when you account for inflation, has made more money than any other movie in film history. It's, that's yeah. more than Star Wars, more than Titanic, more than Black Panther, more than... Uh, any Anything movie else. ever in terms yeah. of certainly in terms of like bums on seats like people have, uh, yeah so many people have I, seen it my bum has been on many seats watching <laughs> that films <laughs> so you know um but I, i'm wondering anthony um if you kind of can tell us maybe a little bit about why you think it's so enduring because especially i think it's interesting that we come from very different cultures and yet this film is quite universal Yes, it certainly is. I know. I think, as you said, I mean, the characters, the story, it's so real. And so, I mean, there's so much passion in it and it's so epic. Um, as I said, when I watched it as a teenager, it was just, it meant a lot to me because I was sort of struggling with my own sort of identity and sexuality and all that. And, mm -hmm. you know, just the struggle of Scarlett to break free from those conventions that she was so constrained by in the south and you know mm -hmm. i could really identify with that so i think 
it's probably the same for people all over the world. I mean, mainly yeah. women, but I guess not only women, as I can attest <laughs> to. It's <laughs> sure, yeah. It has a very special power for some reason. It's so well written. And, and the film, it's, I mean, we should probably talk about the film. I mean, the adaptation, the script obviously is not exactly faithful because it's impossible to translate a book of i don't know a thousand pages to a film without omitting certain things or changing certain things yeah but i think they've done a, a very good job adapting it and and then obviously all the technical achievements it's so beautifully filmed and the costumes and the acting and for when it's made in 1939 i think it's so hard to believe even today that without having CGI or computers or anything like that. They, they were able oh, to absolutely. create something so stunningly beautiful. It really is. It's it's a gorgeous film. And you think of all the like manpower that went into it. There was no one behind computers making these sunsets. All of the, the sunsets oh, in the, the film sunsets, and a lot of the sort of yeah. scenes are like, yeah, they're uh, matte paintings. And yeah. it's just gorgeous to think of all like the craftsmanship that went into this film. But I remember uh, about eight years ago, I interviewed the late Robert Osborne from Turner Classic Movies, um, the beloved Robert Osborne, yes. about Gone with the Wind and about Vivian Lee, which was for uh, VivianLarry.com. And it was um, Vivian was the, going to be the star of the month uh, a few years ago. So, uh, TCM, you know, gave people who subscribe to their kind of like PR list a chance to talk to Robert. And we chatted about Gone with the Wind and I asked him what he thinks are the reasons why Gone with the Wind appeals to so many people still, you know, 80 years after it came out. Uh -huh, yeah. um, and, and he said that because it has universal themes, and I think he's absolutely right. I mean, you think about something like the whole, it's a story of survival, really. A story of someone who has everything, loses everything, and picks herself up and makes something of herself. She doesn't do things the right way. She doesn't do things the right way. She doesn't uh, adhere to these norms that would have been, you know, in her worlds. But you know. she survives, and I, I mean, think she's so many people. Flawed, but she's so yes. lovable because of that, probably. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, if you think about this film came out during the height of the depression, just before World War II. Um, and when, you know, thousands and thousands of people across the US went to the movies every weekend. And when you see someone, I think I like Scarlett, who builds herself up from these really like awful kind of circumstances in terms of losing her home, losing family, losing, you know, kind of her, just her, her world. Um, I, I think a lot of people could kind of relate to her gumption and her perseverance. And I think that's really one reason why people kept going back to the cinema to see that. But then other people around the world too, those themes are things that anyone who's going through a war or suffers any, you know, hardships like famine or any kind of like natural disaster, losing family members, anything like that. Yeah, or I think even they just can a relate small to these elements. Disaster. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be war, but it just can be smaller things as well. It's just because there's personal heartbreak in the film as well as sort of the sweeping wider context so it's both really yeah i think it's incredible but um and also i think to us personally it has a very special meaning because our friendship is so sort of entangled in into gone yes. with the wind yes <laughs> we first met um because of liveandlarry.com because i was a huge fan of the website and we became friends on facebook and then you moved to london and you can tell the story of how you found me. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So I was uh, studying film at UCL in Bloomsbury and Anthony worked at a bookshop across the street called Waterstones. And one day after class, I just wandered in and was looking through the film book section. And Anthony was there working behind the counter. And I said, are, I think, did you say, are you Kendra? And I said, are you Anthony? You know? <laughs> You said, yeah. And um, it was just like, oh my gosh, I know you from Facebook. And we've been friends ever since. But the first time that we hung out, like properly, you quoted a Vivian Lee film and did like all the voices from the film. And I had never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> God, yeah, I just thought you were the funniest person. The Rolling and Spring of Mrs. Stone, still one of my favorites. <laughs> 
good. Um, and so, yeah, we we became friends because of really Gone with the Wind, Vivian Lee, Roman Spring and Mrs. Stone, and shared humor and appreciation for oh, so these true. films. And, like, one of the first times we actually hang out as well was at the um, Prince Charles Cinema in London where they showed um, Gone with the Wind. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing you there with, I don't know if they're like friends from uni or like Gone with the Wind people. I think they were uni friends. And I just remember like, oh, hi, Kendra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, Gone, Gone with the Wind, still bringing families together. Oh, absolutely. Since 1939 or 1936, <laughs> So I also wanted to talk about uh, the conventions that go on around this film. Um, oh, yeah. It's still so it's, it's still such a part of pop culture. So if you think about things like Trekkies or Star Wars fans or uh, like Comic-Con and things like that where people go and they cosplay and dress up as certain characters and interact with other fans, that happens with Gone with the Wind. Um, there's a sort of like subset of fans called the Windies who are very much into, I think it's mostly the story of Gone with the Wind. Um, and it's usually uh, middle-aged Southern women who <laughs> attend these parties that are hosted by uh, the Gone with the Wind Museum in Marietta, Georgia. Yeah. Um, and they come dressed... The game of, I don't think that's what they're called, but yeah. Um, but they dress up in... Uh, like replica costumes that they make themselves a lot of times and they it's like they're all friends and they come to these these parties um this museum in marietta is actually pretty cool it's it's dedicated to the story of gone with the wind and uh it deals with a lot of different aspects of the film including controversies which we're going to talk about in a little bit but um Pretty much every year they have a party at this museum and in the town of Marietta and they welcome people from all around the United States and sometimes around the world to attend these just to celebrate different facets of Gone with the Wind. So I went, it is pretty amazing. Like I'd never been to any kind of convention before, um, but I've been to two of these. The first was in 2009 when it was the 70th anniversary of the film. And uh, the event was sponsored by Warner Brothers and Turner Classic Movies. So they had Robert Osborne there. They had Molly Haskell. They had uh, Anne Rutherford, who played Scarlett's little sister in the Aww. film. Yeah, they had a lot of really, like, cool people, who uh, many of them who are sadly no longer with us. But it was just really interesting because I enjoy watching people and just kind of observing what people do and then commenting on it. So you didn't dress <laughs> and, up? I didn't dress up. No, I, I'm, that's not my thing, but I, but power to the people who do, I guess, you know? So I, I, but I just really enjoyed like observing people who, you know, obviously these, these, uh, events are really catered to the Wendy's. Yeah. Uh, it's like their kind of thing that they go to and it's great and you can interact with people and and kind of learn about why they love certain things or how they made their costumes um it's just really interesting so it's they're so passionate and like i thought i loved gone with the wind and then i went to um this event for the first time in 2009 i was like well i love gone with the wind but i guess i don't love it as much as i thought i did yeah Yeah. And I love Gone with the Wind, but it's just it just goes to show you, I think, what a um, a great uh, sort of pervasiveness that the film still has in pop culture and especially mm. in the South, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, this is a funny story because actually I have a friend who um, was born and raised in Marietta, George, and now he yeah. lives in London. But when I first met him, um, he's the boyfriend of one of my best friends and when he told me he grew up in Marietta, I was like, oh, my God, so you've got the Gone with the Wind Museum there. And he was like, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like two blocks <laughs> away from my home, but I've never been to it. And I've never oh, actually no. seen the film. So ah. I was like, what? How can you not have seen the film when you're from Marietta, Georgia? So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think mean, you, you I and Abby are going to have to stage an intervention I and know. make him watch it. Well, the thing is that Abby and his name is Greg. Hello, Greg. Hello, Abby. Hi, Greg. (laughs) So they went back to Atlanta and they went to the museum. And the the lady who works there, 
they said, you know, we know Kendra. And she's like, oh, my God, Kendra, we love Kendra. We have her book here. <laughs> so you're famous, Kendra. Oh, well, you know, I try. <laughs> but I'm I just... still don't think Greg has seen the film, so. <laughs> Come on, Greg, get with the program. <laughs> Get with it. Um, no, I just, you know, at some of these parties, it's like I, the last time we went um, was in 2014. That 2015. Like 75th anniversary, I guess. 2015. Yeah, or 20. I don't remember. 2014. <laughs> yeah, 2014. And Robbie and I went, because Robbie came to visit me when I was living back at home. Yeah. Um, and we flew out to Atlanta. And then Marissa, our friend Marissa, oh. flew down from New York. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was so fun. Just like hang out with just some people that I love, you know, around a film that we love. And it was a really good time. That sounds very special. We love Marissa, by the way. Hi, Marissa. Yay, Marissa. Hi, Marissa. <laughs> um, but that's not to say that Gone with the Wind is a perfect film because it most definitely isn't. Uh, actually, there are quite a, a lot of controversies that surround it, especially um, these days when our culture has changed quite a bit. Uh, so we see a lot of mentions of how the film is racist and we live in a more PC culture show. So show <laughs> show. We shouldn't be talking about it. Um, so we shouldn't be watching or talking about uh, gone with the wind anymore. Like some people argue that it needs to go into a museum or just as one film critic wrote, go the way of the Confederate flag. And, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this yeah, because absolutely. I mean, I think we have to talk about, it. you know, yeah, it's okay to continue to, appreciate the film and to love it as we do but i think it's I very think so. important to be aware of you know its context and those sort of darker sides yeah. of it as well and the representation which can be problematic and troubling yeah. um so as long as you know there's a conversation going i think that's the, mo the most important thing well, there was a, um, an article in the New York Post a few years ago by a film critic called Lou Luminick. And I'm, I'm not hating on Lou because I know he loves old movies and he follows me on Twitter. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> hating on him. But I, I do want to kind of criticize the article a bit just because I disagree with it in some ways. But the highlight or highlight, the headline was called Gone with the Wind Should Go the Way of the Confederate Flag. And it argues that because there has been um, a shift in sort of like cultural and societal opinions, especially in the South, of what these symbols like the Confederate flag and Confederate statues mean in today's context and what they have meant, you know, since the Civil War, um, that Gone with the Wind should be lumped in with those things as something that's, quote, an ugly symbol of racism. So um, I, I disagree with this, and, and here's why. Because, yeah, uh, yes, I think that uh, the Confederate flag and uh, Confederate statues should be taken down and go into a museum, first of all, because the South lost the war. Like, in case anyone was still wondering about that, like, 150 years later, they did not win the war. Um, those things are were assembled in the first place and put up and carried in battle as a, a symbol of white supremacy. And later after the war, those statues were, were erected as a symbol of white supremacy. Um, and those are very public things where if you go to Charleston or New Orleans or Atlanta or wherever in the South, and you see these these statues to people like, um, uh, you know, General Forrest or uh, Robert E. Lee and people like that, who you could, of course, argue that they were amazing military generals. But the South was uh, fighting to keep the institution of slavery in place. That was the reason for their secession, a lot of state secession from the North. Um, that's what started the war. That's what fueled the war. Um, it's, it's, you know, we have a long history in America of racism and oppression, uh, particularly against African-Americans. And so those symbols continue to represent those awful things that happened in American history. And mm -hmm. um, I know people sort of argue that, well, they, you know, they grew up in the South and that it means that, it, it, you know, throughout their lives, it was sort of seen as just representing like Southern heritage and not racism, but the way, a way of life. But yeah. that way of life 
for the people who were wealthy and the people who, you know, contributed to the success of the South as like an area, an agricultural area, um, that was the enslavement of black people from Africa. That's yes. that was the, the no point of it. Away from that. You can't get away from that. But the thing about Gone with the Wind, and I do completely agree that there are elements of the film and the story in itself that have not held up well and that should be criticized and contextualized. But Gone with the Wind, as well as Birth of a Nation, which um, came out in 1919, the D.W. Griffith uh, silent yes. film, which, which is, it is awful. But um, these are things that you watch in a cinema um, of your own free will. This is, you know, by choice. Cinemas are public spaces, but they're also places that you choose to go into or not. So I think people who still love Gone with the Wind and people who choose to go watch it at the cinema or at home are perfectly capable of doing so while still recognizing the problematic elements of the story Absolutely. and of the film and, also, and representations. And really equate the two films because I don't think Gone with the Wind is oh, no. anywhere near as as bad as The Birth of a Nation. I mean, first of all, it's no. not about that. It's not, a, you know, the, the subject of the film is not... Um, white supremacy, which in that's the case right. of Birth of a Nation, that's the whole point of the film. So here, I think it's very different. I think um, it's a very romanticized version. It's certainly, a, you know, it's told from the point of view of white plantation owners and their families mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. from the point of view of the slaves. And and many of the characters are certainly, especially the, the black characters, are, are stereoty stereotypes. And, you know, it's very problematic. Watching it can be quite uncomfortable as well. Yeah. So, of course, you know, you have to talk about it and you have to recognize that. Yes. So for people who haven't seen the film, um, the the slave characters in the film are represented as quite simple or quite stereotypical and also as happy. So like not, yeah. um, you know, it's if you compare this to Birth of a Nation or not Birth of a Nation, I'm sorry, um, 12 Years a Slave, which came out a few years ago, like obviously they're two completely different points of view. And we're not saying that Gone with the Wind is right in its portrayal of black people because it absolutely isn't. Um, but I think it's a film that, I mean, I personally love when I go watch an old movie and there's someone there to introduce the film and contextualize it to give you more of a, a clearer picture of of the, this film and its historical context. And I think that it would be a great idea to have someone in there introducing Gone with the Wind whenever it's shown in a cinema or maybe like a recorded kind of thing before yeah. the film. You know, just something that if people need reminding, we'll tell them a bit about the time in which the film was set, but also the time in which the film was made. Because exactly, yeah. if we got rid of Gone with the Wind uh, and we'd relegated it to a museum or to a vault or to the trash can or wherever, if you lit it on fire, I don't know, in a dumpster, <laughs> um, you'd have to do that for a majority of the films made in the classic Hollywood period. Because from the 19... For one the 19th, reason or another, yeah. For one reason or another, um, African-Americans historically in cinema even today have you know the the ratio is completely unacceptable um the way people are portrayed or just the the way um people are given chances to portray uh strong characters in film and also um old hollywood i mean it wasn't just african-americans that were uh stereotyped it was asians it was gay people it was any kind of minority really a lot of times even women although i would argue that in classic films there are a lot of uh really strong female characters but they're all white people so that's the the thing um i think it's incredibly important to contextualize old films yes and I think, because the know, times were so different i think banning anything would also you know that's not a way out of the problem and it's no. such gone with the wind is such a huge part of culture and especially American culture that, you know, I think it is precisely important to see it and for young people to watch it and to learn about it and the mm -hmm. context, the historical context and to discuss it and to learn from it and to learn mm -hmm. from both, you know, the the problematic areas of it and make sure that it never happens again as well. So I think yeah. you know, certainly 
what some people have called for, you know, banning it or boycotting it or, or you know, just forgetting about it. I certainly don't would not advocate that. No, me neither. <laughs> But there are some like really great things about Gone with the Wind. Uh, one of them is Hattie McDaniel and her portrayal as Mammy. And I know you have so much to say about that. So I'm going to let you run with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do feel very passionately about Hattie because I think, you know, along, of course, with Vivian Lee and Clark Gable, she was the star of the show. And in many ways, she stole the show with her performance. Um, okay, so she she plays Scarlett O'Hara's Mammy, who's like the main uh, housemaid. Yeah, at I mean the she Terra looks plantation. after Scarlett throughout the story, and she's like her. I mean, arguably, she becomes her mother figure in the second part mm-hmm. of the film, and you know, she really, I think, largely because of Hattie McDaniel's performance, she elevates the character from what could have easily been a stereotype, this sort of you know happy. Um, Mammy, you know, kind of like if you mm-hmm. think of Tom and Jerry, the sort of I can't remember the name of the character, was it Mammy Two Shoes or like the really very oh, cartoon character um, Yeah. so she could have easily been that but she's not, she's a very complex character she's a very strong character she has her own personality um, she's you know, she doesn't take any shit from anyone in the film. She doesn't take any shit and Scarlet, no. Scarlet puts forth a lot of shit. Yeah, so. she, she sure does. <laughs> she's, she's a bitch, but a badass <laughs> bitch. But outside from the movie, I mean, Hattie McDaniel is such a, an inspirational story. She was the first African-American actress or actor, for that matter, to win the Academy Award um, mm-hmm. for Best Supporting Actress. Um, and it's a very bittersweet story because obviously... It was a moment of triumph for her, but it was also marred by prejudice uh, because um, she couldn't be invited to the premiere in Atlanta because of segregation. Um, So that was that must have been heartbreaking for her. And actually, she was also um, her face was sort of eliminated from the promotional material that um, was circulated around the South. So Mm. that's just horrible. And even the Academy Awards themselves, although, you know, held in California, where there was no yeah. segregation, she was still um, the place where the awards was, the, the ceremony was held. The Ambassador Hotel in Hollywood had a very strict no blacks policy. So mm-hmm. David O. Selznick, the producer, he had to really pull some strings and almost beg the proprietor to, you know, to let Hattie even come to the awards. And yeah. she wasn't able to sit at the table with the stars of the film. She had to sit by herself at the back of the room. So even though she won that night, she, you know, it was very sad. and, and It was really, bittersweet, basically. Really bittersweet. I mean, more bitter than sweet, really. And, yeah. You know, even though she won, she never, she was never, because of, you know, the racial politics of the time, she was never able to really have a career that she deserved, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, she played maids and more maids and more maids. And then even, you know, in death, um, she wanted to be buried at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, but because she was black, she was not allowed to be. And it's only yeah. a few years ago that her family managed to erect sort of like a memorial, you know, monument at the cemetery. But her her ashes still aren't there. So yeah. it's it's a really sad story. And I think very indicative. She's like a symbol of of the struggle. I mean, there must have been hundreds and hundreds of actors who we don't even you know you don't know about them because they mm-hmm. never got to tell their story so she really is the voice of that generation of of african-american actors and i think even today she is seen as such i mean if you think of someone like monique who won the oscar for best supporting actress for precious a few years ago she mentioned hattie in her acceptance speech so i think she is now recognized for being a trailblazer but um during her own lifetime she often was attacked from both sides because black sort of um, activists during, you know, when Gone with the Wind came out, they sort of attacked her for you know, sort of dancing to a white man's fiddle and you know, Mm -hmm. contributing to creating those stereotypes so she really had to take a lot of you know, um, sort of sour grapes from everyone so it wasn't an easy career it wasn't a fulfilling career for her but... I I feel like she uh, definitely made the best 
of what was an essentially a really shitty situation. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, she had her own radio show, I think it was in the 1950s, called Beulah. And yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, the thing about um, African Americans in classic Hollywood cinema is that, uh, and even like Butterfly McQueen, who plays Prissy in the film, but the, the roles that were available to people who were not white um, were very, very slim. And so I think it took a lot of um, a special kind of determination and artistry to elevate these essentially sidelined stereotypical characters like maids and, and butlers to mm. something that was that stands out um, amongst these great stars like Joan Crawford and Clark Gable and people like that. And, and to really just make their mark on cinema in a way that wasn't appreciated at the time, but I think we can appreciate it now that we know the racial politics of the time and that we can look back on it and say, well, you, you know, these people really did bring something kind of extraordinary to film history. Absolutely, um, and, and you had to fight and, so much harder than anyone else to, to be mm -hmm. noticed in any way. Yeah, and am I right in, in thinking that I had read something about a Hattie McDaniel biopic? Yes, kind of yes, yeah? I think it was Olivia, oh, not Olivia, Octavia Spencer? That's well, I remember play. saying, oh, I think Octavia Spencer should definitely play Hattie McDaniel in a biopic, but I thought I had read somewhere that I a biopic was in the works. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. It's a similar that I heard. Um, yeah, I heard uh, Steve McQueen, the director who did 12 Years a Slave, yeah. is working on a biopic about Paul Robeson, oh and I'm gosh. so excited about it. I, it's going to be amazing. I think and all so those I'm, stories really need to come out. You I'm, know? Yes, I'm so excited about these like marginalized actors, uh, you know, being brought to the forefront. I think it's what we need. And, and I'm really excited to see the totally. job that these people do, bringing them to life. Yeah, definitely. But oh, we think, wanted to mention, oh, sorry. We wanted to mention Butterfly McQueen yes, as well. Because, you know, really she's the because, second really important African-American actress who's, who's appeared in Gone with the Wind. And she... In a, I mean, arguably had an even more difficult job in Gone with the Wind because she plays this really annoying, very silly, sort of young, you know, um, housemaid, slave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, she gets slapped around quite literally by Scarlett in the film. And so, and, you know, we know now in real life that Butterfly McQueen was so different from that character. She was a very, mm -hmm. very intelligent woman and you know, she went and, and got herself an education after Gone with the Wind. Um, I think you told me that, that she used the paycheck from Gone with the Wind to actually enroll at UCLA. Yeah, I mean, she used the paycheck to pay for tuition. And UCLA is still today one of the best schools in California. Um, they didn't they didn't let me in. So, <laughs> yeah, so she <laughs> Butterfly McQueen was way smarter than me. She was way smarter than me. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think she's quite extraordinary. And um, but she's like Hattie McDaniel. She played made characters in a lot of films of the 30s and 40s. She did. Um, she played actually Mildred Pierce's sort of kitchen hand you know yeah in yeah john opposite john crawford so you can probably spot her in quite a few of those big classic films and mm -hmm. you know, she only you know has... her she has a very distinct voice yeah. a very high-pitched distinct voice you can't miss her she's really <laughs> unique I mean, she was a sweetheart <laughs> yeah. i mean i remember watching those interviews when she's older and she's remembering gone with the wind and she's really offering some very interesting um, insight into the making of the film and the sort of relationships on the set that she had with the director, both directors, George Cukor and Victor Fleming. Um, mm -hmm. So she was, I mean, she really was so interesting and so intelligent. And again, such a shame that she never managed to have a proper career on screen. Mm, yeah, I think she was interested in, uh, you know, bettering her chances in in life in general, you know, going to UCLA and getting an education. Yeah. But uh, Hattie McDaniel, I said, I think quite rightly, um, I'd rather play a maid than be one. And I think that's a very like girl power kind of statement because, you know, she I'm sure made a lot more money. She got to make 
a living off of playing, yes, playing these stereotypical characters, but also um, just making her mark on the film industry. Mm. And as she said in her acceptance speech for the Oscar that she won for Gone with the Wind, like she's a, I hope I've been a credit to my race. And she definitely has been. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I, I guess it was must have been painful to play those parts, but she probably knew mm. she was smart enough to know that that was the only way to go. And then she was sort of laying ground for next generations and you know mm-hmm. it was the only way she could have made a contribution and she sure did i mean she did absolutely the best she could under the circumstances yeah she really ele- elevated a lot of those characters into something interesting yes yeah so anthony yes do you think that um, Hollywood should ever remake Gone with the Wind? <laughs> oh my god, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I can't even start listing the reasons for why not. <laughs> I mean, I think firstly because of what we've just discussed. I mean, it's such a controversial film. And because it's so much of its time, we can you know forgive a lot of it. But I think if it was made today, I mean, I can't see how they could get away with it. Um, no. But also, I think beyond that just because it's such a, a wonderful film and it's so perfect cinematically speaking i don't think there's any point of sort of remaking perfection so no well, also too it's it's so iconic that i don't see how anyone could remake it and not have it compared to the original like mm. even if you just said this is a new adaptation of the book you know how like they do with like pride and prejudice and all yes. the jane austen novels but i just think because Gone with the Wind is so definitive in and of itself as a film. Like, if anyone tried to remake that, they'd just get, like, you know, chased out of town, I think it would be a disaster, With pitchforks and, and torches, yeah. I mean, it might be an <laughs> be interesting so idea maybe to do, like, I don't know, like, a film from the point of view of, like, maybe, like, Chrissy or Mammy and, like, see oh, yeah. the whole story from someone else's perspective and then try to, but I don't know, I, that probably wouldn't work, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure. But actually, um, there was a sequel that was written in the 90s and then made oh into God, a TV film. Oh, my God, we talk about this? We're, gonna, we're, we're going to have to face it and talk about it. It's so bad. It's just the worst thing ever. Um, the sequel, uh, so in the 90s, the Margaret Mitchell estate authorized an author called Alexandra Ripley to re- uh, write a sequel to the book um which is titled scarlet and i personally had to read it to find out a certain thing i'm not going to (laughs) spoil give spoilers here but i I had to read it for a certain reason and i'm sure anyone who loves gone with the wind knows what that reason is um but it's it just was not good no like (laughs) at all I mean, I didn't read it, but I watched the TV miniseries thing that they made based on that yeah. book. And it was just it was, terrible. I was one of those people who was like, okay, I love Gone with the Wind. I have to read this sequel. I have to see um, the the film. And I, I went to Barnes & Noble, which is a chain bookstore in the US, and I bought the DVD. It was just like a Lifetime movie. It's not even, or like Hallmark <laughs> Channel. It's not even like proper HBO or anything. But I bought the DVD and I paid like $20 for oh it and I got God. it home. Yeah, I watched like 20 minutes and I had to quit because it was so just... It made me so mad. And, like, I didn't like it at all. Um, no. It stars Joanne Whaley, Whaley Kilmer. Uh, she was married to Val Kilmer at the time. And then um, Timothy Dalton is Rhett Butler. And the way Timothy Dalton portrayed Rhett just enraged me. He played him <laughs> like this slobbish boar, which Rhett wasn't. Rhett is, like, the hottest protagonist in all of literature like sorry Heathcliff sorry Darcy from Pride and Prejudice it's Rhett Butler the I end mean, that's yeah, not was a, a sexy hunk that's just, that's just a scientific fact like that's not up for debate um he's the the hottest one and it's just it just ruined everything not my love for Gone with the Way but I just wanted to like erase it from my memory yeah I mean I think it should and I, I wouldn't recommend anyone listening to this to, no, to go watch, and watch it Read and watch Gone with the Wind. Don't bother with the sequel. And, and don't bother with the two prequels that were written quite recently either because they're not anywhere near as good either. So just just go read some fan fiction, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's some good stuff out there if we're going to admit that. So Apparently. I mean, I haven't read it, but yeah. <laughs> well, 
I have. <laughs> I can tell you that some of it is actually really good. I mean, you are so, a diehard fan, Kendra. I'm a diehard, yeah. I do, yeah, I do love it. So, yeah, uh, that's... Oh, oh, one other thing about Gone with the Wind that we wanted to mention was that um, something that has to do with a big party in LA that happened last weekend, and that's the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival, which neither of us were at, and it was really sad. Yeah, so sad. We saw our friends posting all over the social media about, you know, having a great time, and, you know, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it really was. I was like, I'm so jealous. Um, but Gone with the Wind was actually the first film that Turner Classic Movies ever screened when it debuted on TV 20 years ago. So it really does have a lasting impact on the, the classic film community in general, but I think uh in a wider sort of way um in pop culture it's still such a, a a milestone in classic hollywood filmmaking it always will be and no matter how many times people say oh you should ban this you should get rid of it or how low it falls on these lists of greatest films for whatever reason um i still think it has a lot of enduring power and i, and I think it's going to con just continue that way i agree and yeah i mean it's like the pinnacle of the studio system of what they could do technically and sort of you know in terms of making this wonderful movie and i think it's so of its time but also in a way timeless so mm -hmm. yeah. that's a really good way to put it good Thank job you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome so uh i think we're going to wrap up this episode here but uh we do have plans for the next episode so we hope you'll tune in again anthony do you want to tell them a bit about that well, I'm going to Madrid next week for the first time. Um, and because we did our book about Ava Gardner, um, it's really fascinating because Ava lived there for many years and, you know, she had very many sort of wild nights. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try to retrace some of her steps and then tell you all about it. And then we're also going to talk about um, the films she made based on Ernest Hemingway's novels particularly the sun also rises which we both mm, love yeah. for different reasons because we love errol flynn and tyron power as well love them yeah <laughs> so that's it's going true. to be our next episode we hope you can join us but Kendra i hope also... you go anthony i hope you go and like dance flamenco on top of a table in some grotto bar in madrid um, okay yeah sure and then report <laughs> back so you can just like live the full fantasy i'll try my best you know i will okay Oh, good. Quoting okay, my so way I... through it. <laughs> yes, it'll be amazing. I can't wait to hear about it. Um, so, guys, uh, we have a website uh, called sinescapism.com, and we'd love for you to email us with any suggestions about future podcasts, or we especially love to hear your thoughts about Gone with the Wind, whether you love it or you hate it and why. We just want to know what you think. And um, we hope you tune in next time for more Film Talk. With Kendra Absolutely. And it's been so much fun, Kendra. Thank you so much for doing this with oh, me. Oh, thank you. Third time's a charm, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.